Hey friends, and welcome to episode 129 of It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. I'm your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman Cornick, and I've got a question for you. How do you measure success? Is it getting a big promotion? Hitting a revenue goal for your business? Having a successful launch? Selling a million-dollar home, receiving a big award from your boss, or being recognized within your industry. While all of these are certainly great, amazing accomplishments, trust me, I love a good gold star. But I encourage you to take notice if your definition or definitions of success, like the examples that I gave you, are driven just by your work. Is there any other way we can feel validated, accomplished, and successful about ourselves outside of work? Of course there is. And that's exactly what I'm talking about with today's guest. And for the record, I'm not suggesting that we shouldn't measure our success at work, but why not focus on feeling good about ourselves from within first? That's exactly what Karen Manja, today's interview guest, is all about success from the inside out. Now, let me tell you about Karen. Karen is an author, an internationally recognized thought leader, and speaker who's passionate about customer success and the future of work. She's also the vice president of customer and market insights at Salesforce. One of her many responsibilities is serving on the work from home task force, which helps the company's employees around the world adapt to working from home. When Karen's not writing, speaking, or working, you'll probably find her singing or playing the piano. In fact, she recently crossed something huge off of her bucket list, a chance to sing at Carnegie Hall. We actually talk about her rehearsals in this episode, but when this goes live, she'll already have performed and done amazing, I'm sure. In today's conversation with Karen, she shares how to make room for new commitments and avoid burnout. She also shares the three questions she asks herself to prioritize what tasks are most important and how your values are reflected in your work life. She gives some examples about how to pause, assess, and adjust if you're feeling overwhelmed and how to do it in just five minutes. And then finally, She talks about how to give yourself permission to do what you want to do. As usual, you know you can find all the details for this episode over in the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 129. And finally, I really want to thank you again for tuning in and being a fan. And if you haven't yet, I invite you to click that subscribe button to be notified as soon as new episodes go live. And... If you like what you hear, I would be so grateful for your review. Your reviews play a huge role in helping others find it's about time in the search results, and that only builds on our shared mission to ban busy as a badge of honor. And plus, you might just get a shout out in a future episode, like this one going out to Jenlin415. Jenlin415 was so kind to leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Jenlin415 writes, I had no idea I needed you in my life. I actually found you from an interview you did with another podcast I listened to. 
In that interview, something just caught my attention, so I started at episode one of your podcast. Girl, I'm so glad I did. I have modified my life and things are getting done better than ever. Thank you. Well, Jenlyn415, I am so, so glad that you found It's About Time and that things are better than ever for you. It means so much to have you as a listener and as a fan, and I truly hope that each episode and each guest interview can give you something useful to test drive and that it makes each day just a little easier for you. Thank you again for taking time to leave such a thoughtful and kind review. And with that, it's about time we get started, so let's get this show on the road. You're listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Around here, we believe that busy is not a badge of honor. Your host, Anna Dearman Cornick, is here to share tips and strategies to help you make the most of your time. Listen in on real conversations and success stories to find out how other go-getters are getting things done. If you're ready to step away from the overwhelm and spend your time on what matters most, then you're in the right place. Here's your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman Cornick. Hi, Karen, and welcome to It's About Time. I am so delighted to spend time with you today. How are you doing? I'm doing great, and it is so fun to have some company. I mean, I don't know about you, but sometimes it it can get a little lonely in the home office. <laughs> well, I, I honestly, I wish I could agree with you there, but I'm actually sharing a desk with my husband right now. Fortunately, he's out of the he's out of the room. He's giving me the space, but we've been sharing a desk, so it's been a little too cozy at times. But I completely know how you feel as a as a solo entrepreneur who also works remotely um, with my team spread out across the country, it can feel a little lonely sometimes. So I'm very happy to see you. Well, this is a new kind of camaraderie for you then. <laughs> Definitely. Yes, it absolutely is. Uh, and I'm always excited to spend time and learn from women who are successful and clearly getting things done in a, in a big way and making an impact. And so I shared with everyone the official Karen Manja bio before we hit record, uh, but I always want to hear in your own words, how are you spending your time these days? Yes, I am fortunate to have a number of exciting things going on right now. And I was thinking really about how to bring more fun into life and into our day-to-day existence. I, I don't know about you. I feel like the last couple of years got really serious really quickly. <laughs> and I decided to add a couple of new things to my routines and rituals. One is I started taking tap dancing lessons, which I've <laughs> never danced. Like I never took dance lessons as a kid. So I am <laughs> taking tap dancing lessons. So this is my fun thing. And I'm fortunate that I also have a once in a lifetime opportunity that I will be singing at Carnegie Hall. So I am in daily rehearsals right now for Carnegie Hall. So I would tell you, those are some fun things <laughs> along with the fact that every Sunday for me, one of my timeless rituals is I cook dinner, a Sunday dinner for my 98 year old World War II veteran, online stock trading, smartwatch wearing grandfather who still lives independently. And that's a really cherished part of my weekly routine. And then on the work front, 
I'm excited about a number of things I've been developing as an extension of the four books that I've written. And I've done about almost 600 now, I think, one-on-one interviews with people who are redefining success, reworking work, and discovering strategies to work well, and writing stories about them and finding new ways to put these assets together into resources to help people who are feeling stuck right now and looking for new ideas. And then I just launched a YouTube channel that each week I'm putting out, you know, a little two minute video with a tip or a framework that viewers can use. And there's a long form show called Success From Anywhere that's going live there as well. So you can subscribe on YouTube and find the show. Oh my goodness. First of all, tap dancing. How much fun is that? I Okay, I absolutely love that you led with the fun things that you're doing in life right now. That is such an amazing example and model to everyone who's listening in that clearly work-life balance involves life and finding ways to bring delight into your world. And clearly you, you've done that. And tell me a little bit about Carnegie Hall. How did this come to be? What are you singing? I need all of the details. Well, perhaps like many of your listeners, I can always find something to do. And what I've discovered is building in those fun breaks creates upside for me to pause or stop work, to Mm -hmm. really set some healthy boundaries. And without those fun commitments on my calendar or commitments that I look forward to, I mean, I could just work, 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 do, 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 taskless, 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 personally and professionally. And what I find is, you know, an engine that's always on and running eventually does break down and need maintenance mm-hmm. and repair. So I'd rather be proactive about that. The Carnegie Hall story is a great example of networking and being open to possibilities. When I was in university, I sang in a choir and also in a, a small traveling music group. And I've always loved music, singing and playing the piano is part of the great joy of my life and has been for a long time. And several years ago, I reconnected with my university choir conductor. And I saw him a couple months ago at a local arts fundraising event. Mm -hmm. And he said, oh, this is amazing. He said, I got a conducting fellowship at Carnegie Hall and I'm conducting a show. You need to be in the show. And I did what everyone would do. I said, no. (laughs) What? (laughs) I know. I said, well, to the point of using your time wisely, I said, given what's on my calendar the next (laughs) couple of months, I can't commit to being at rehearsals. You know, I can't commit to in person and to the preparation. And he said, well, if you audition and make it, you can rehearse yourself. And I said, I'll think about it. And someone else overheard the conversation in this. We were walking away, literally said, do you think you're getting the second invitation to sing at Carnegie Hall? Then isn't it amazing how other people sometimes <laughs> see things that we don't see that are so obvious? And I thought about it and I... I said the two words I found have changed my life more than once. Why not? Right. (laughs) And now I am doing daily self-rehearsal and getting prepared for this really bucket list opportunity that came from a relationship. That is absolutely unreal. Thank you so much for sharing that story. I am so glad that you said why not and jumped on that. Uh, and so you you mentioned as well that you're the author of four books. You are spending time having conversations with successful individuals, learning so you that so that you can share their stories. You're also sharing on YouTube 
uh, tell, tell me a little bit about how you carve out time for all of these different activities in your life. Divest before you invest. And that's a lesson I learned the hard way. When you want to say yes to something, what are you going to say no to, to make room for that new commitment? And there have been many points in my life where I kept saying yes and, and Easy. adding things. And that took me to a very unfortunate crossroads called major medical. Uh, in my early 30s, I had a very shocking series of circumstances that ultimately led to massive fatigue, memory mm. loss. My hair fell out. Mm. My skin turned gray. I gained 55 pounds without having a baby. And one day I looked in the mirror and my eyes had literally changed color. Wow. I went three and a half years with medical misdiagnosis and cycling through teams of doctors. And you know what? I never missed a single day of work for being sick. Now, when I did get that correct diagnosis, it was DDT pesticide poisoning. And here's what struck me about the irony of that specific diagnosis. I mean, I had poison literally going through my body. If you're looking for something to try, I don't recommend it. But I literally had poison pulsing through my body. And you know what? I probably sustained that illness because I was carrying a lot of toxic beliefs. I mean, I had kind of poisoned myself mentally into believing I needed to say yes to everything and to everyone mm -hmm. and to make delivering on those commitments look easy, pleasing, and agreeable. Mm. And for as challenging as three and a half years of misdiagnosis and five years of treatments was, I'm grateful that experience happened earlier in my life because it prompted me to radically redefine my relationship with success mm -hmm. and make that definition personal. I mean, at that point when I was so ill, all I wanted to do was get well. And right. being clear about my top priority became a catalyst for divesting of commitments that were not in service of my top priority. And I've taken that forward. So when I'm writing a book, you know, I don't make Pinterest perfect meals and mm -hmm. mail people handmade cards for their birthdays. I, I divest of some of those commitments to make room for a work priority of writing a book. When I'm going to take tap dancing, I do not also train for a marathon. I mm -hmm. divest of something, right, to invest somewhere else. How I think about it very simply is where can you replace and in your life with or? Mm. I could make all of the treats for the family birthday gathering and send out all the invitations and collect all the RSVPs, or I could do one and outsource the others. Divest before you invest. That is such a great example. Here's a question about how you decide what to divest, what to, how you decide what to let go of when everything seems important and when everyone wants your time and talents, how do you decide what to let go of? Well, when everything is important, nothing is important. And here's what I like to do. I like to step back and ask three questions and maybe a bonus question that help me assess these commitments and priorities, especially during times when my calendar and my to-do list feel overly crowded and I find myself in chaos, you know, running from one commitment to the next without really thinking about why 
Am I doing that? And could there be a better way? Here's the three questions and the bonus question I find help me distill my priorities and reclaim some space and energy. First, does it have to be? Second, does it have to be me? Third, does it have to be me right now? And the bonus question, does it have to be a meeting? And when I ask those questions, what I discover is no. Everything that's on my to-do list in my calendar doesn't have to be or be me or be me right now. And certainly all those meetings don't need to happen. Mm-hmm. And that leads me to get more creative and say, well, what if instead of a meeting, I could send someone a two to four minute video mm-hmm. and then we could take that meeting off the calendar? What would happen if I literally just stopped something? You know, mm-hmm. the never ending mentor meeting where you're not getting anything out of it anymore, whatever that mm-hmm. looks like for you. The other really helpful tool is to return to your values, Mm -hmm. you know, to be clear on what you value at any given moment in time. I mean, our values are really an expression of our preferences in any given moment. And I find when I'm not clear with my values, I start working outside of my values for an extended period of time, which is how I define burnout, Mm -hmm. right? And it's easy to get there. Working outside of your values. So core values is a conversation that's been had several times on It's About Time. And if you're listening in, then your ears are probably perking up because we've talked about core values in the past. And I would love to hear what you do to keep your core values front and center. How do you keep them in mind as you are planning your planning your days, making decisions, and deciding what to do next? First of all, tune into your own energy. I think about this very simply. When you see a meeting on the calendar or your phone rings and you look down and see who's calling, do you think, yes, or are you thinking, oh, no? I mean, that is an immediate indication of whether or not your time and the people you're surrounding yourself with in your work and in your life are aligned with your values and whether they are contributing to your greatest good or perhaps detracting from it. So that's an immediate gut check. And we all make it without thinking about it every Mm -hmm. time we look at our calendar and and our mobile device. Mm -hmm. The other piece too is I discovered something when I was doing the research for the Success From Anywhere book called The Stress-Free Experiment. And I find The Stress-Free Experiment to be incredibly valuable because it only takes 10 minutes and it helps you reconnect with your values and has proven results and here's how it works. Scientists at Stanford staged an intervention originally with a group of university students who reported a high degree of burnout. and What they asked the students to do is when they went on holiday break, each student was to use a physical pen and paper, and there is brain magic to why that works, but a physical pen and paper to just write in a journal for 10 minutes each day. No spelling, no grammar checks. You don't need to go back and read what you wrote, just 10 minutes. And then they selected a small group of students and gave them a special assignment. And it was this, choose one value and for 10 minutes, Write about how your top value shows up in your everyday life. Now, after the break was over, they collected the journal pages and then they studied the students over time. And the students who spent 10 minutes, even if they only did it one time, writing about their top value and how that value showed up in their everyday life, reported lower levels of burnout, 
higher degrees of resilience, they were able to tap into new ideas. Now, they have gone on to repeat this experiment with executives and entrepreneurs and everyone in between, and they discovered consistent results. Even if one time for 10 minutes, you wrote with a pen and paper about your top value and how it shows up in your everyday life, you too will lower your burnout, increase your resilience, tap into your adaptability, come up with new ideas, because here's what connecting with your top value does. Even if your circumstances do not change, being clear about your values helps you change the way you see your circumstances. And so I do that. I literally conduct my own stress-free experiment. In fact, on my blog and on my YouTube channel, you can find the tools to do this yourself, the explanation, a little template that you can use. And you can then go on to do your second value. You can do this as a team and talk about it with your colleagues or with your customers. I mean, everyone can participate in this and get the same results. Karen, I love how actionable this is. It's something simple that anyone can do at any time. Uh, core values is something that we talk about a lot inside the It's About Time Academy uh, and how it's one of the first steps to having good time management and work-life balance that works for you because your core values are such a North Star. So thank you so much for sharing about that exercise. And if you're looking for more on core values, head over to episode 21, Finding Your Footing Through a Priority Shift, How to Do the Next Right Thing. You can actually find a multiple choice, 125 words to inspire your core values so that you can dive into this exact exercise that Karen mentioned and to, to ensure that you are living your core values on the pages of your calendar. So Karen, I absolutely love the title of your latest book and Success From Anywhere create your own future of work from the inside out. I have to know, what exactly does that mean from the inside out? How can we create our own future of work from the inside out? When I wrote my first book, Success with Less, I was fascinated. And the book is about releasing obligations and discovering joy and really a new formula for success that's a, about less and applying that formula to your calendar, your career, your relationships, and your health. And I was amazed when I would speak about the book and I would have people contact me anywhere from a day to months later and say, because of your book or because of your speech, I took the first vacation I've had in years. And I thought, my book didn't tell you you needed a vacation, neither did my keynote. And then someone would say, you know, I've really been struggling with my health. And because of your remarks, I went to a different doctor to get a second opinion. And I started noticing in many of these conversations, and this became a theme that I carried forward into success from anywhere, we look for permission outside of ourselves to do what we know we need to do to take care of what's inside of ourselves. Mm -hmm. We look for permission. And I thought, what would happen if permission is granted? And what would happen if we stopped looking to work to validate us and tell us we're successful and accept us 
and do all of these wonderful things for us. And I know for myself, I've looked for all of those things at work also, you know, mm -hmm. acceptance, approval, acceleration, opportunity, a feeling of success or belonging. And what I have come to realize is all of those attributes and feelings we are seeking outside of ourselves are available inside of ourselves. And change really happens when we make a commitment to transform ourselves. I mean, companies and organizations and teams change one person at a time. Mm -hmm. Now, we've all experienced what happens when that change happens for the worse, right? The, the one toxic person on the team that spoils the whole situation. The opposite is also true. A future of work, the kind of company culture that you want to be a part of starts with transforming yourself. Looking inside and understanding what you value, what you can contribute that's of value, and what your mindset is going to be coming into that work environment each day. And the reality is organizations win when people win. I mean, when we are all realizing our full potential, when we are working well and living well, we perform at our best and can realize our full potential. You know, and I used to kind of have this hope of, a massive movement, you know, being able to go inside of all kinds of companies of all sizes and, and spark this instant transformation. What I realized is you work with the willing. You start one person mm -hmm. at a time with someone who says, I realize something isn't working for me and I'm willing to take even one small step to make a change. And that's really how we get to bigger results. Mm -hmm. You look for the willing and you find someone who is willing to take that one small step to take a change. Okay, y'all, so I know we could all probably use a little more time in our day, right? You're no stranger to busy schedules and intentionally filling them up to the brim because you just have so much to get done. But sometimes it feels like you don't really ever have the time to just slow down and enjoy the simple things. Simple things like when my toddlers are giggling and playing nicely together in the backyard, or when a Sunday afternoon nap sounds too good to pass up. We all want more time to enjoy these kinds of things, right? Well, if you love personality quizzes like I do, then you're in for a treat. In my new quiz, which you can take for free at AnnaDKornick.com forward slash quiz, I'm helping you uncover what it will take to get you from chaos to calm, to finally feel like you have space in your days. I know it can feel downright frustrating to keep using the same old time management strategies that just don't seem to work for you. You've got the planners, the calendars, apps, you're doing all the things, but you still feel like you have no time. And that's because you need time management strategies that work for your personality and your life. In my 10 plus years working in crisis communications and chaos management, and all the time I've spent with my clients, I've learned that everyone has their own needs. And knowing what those needs are can really help you discover the best approach to planning your days. Knowing yourself can help you ease up busy schedules, and find more calm and clarity in your week. Do you wanna know how to get there? To have more breathing room in your days? Let's figure out your time management personality type so you can uncover exactly what you need to do to feel more productive, less stressed, and more balanced. You can take the quiz at AnnaDCornick.com forward slash quiz, and I'll make sure to link to the quiz in our show notes. All right, on with the show.
So if someone is listening right now and they feel overwhelmed, they love the idea of divesting before investing, but everything on their calendar and all of their obligations seem necessary. They want so badly to live by their core values because they feel that friction uh, every time they, like you said, open your calendar and you think, ugh. So what would be that one small step that someone can take to get closer to success from anywhere? Try the five-minute fix. And here's how it works. Just take stock for a moment of what's working, what's not working, and what's the smallest thing you could give yourself permission to adjust. And think about the actions you would undertake in five-minute increments. You know, we often default to the grand gesture. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm burnt out. I need a three-week vacation. (laughs) Well, what would happen if you just stopped working today at 6 instead of 6.05? Five minutes. And I think about the five-minute fix this way. If you're still sitting in the partially broken down chair that's giving you a backache and your (laughs) overarching goal is, I don't want my back to hurt anymore, do this. For five minutes today, look up chairs. For five minutes tomorrow, buy a chair. For five minutes when it arrives, pull it in from wherever your delivery point is. Assemble it five minutes at a time for as many days as that takes. Five minutes. Now, there is actual science behind this. What you're really building is momentum. Mm. We can all find five minutes. That could be taking five minutes off of a meeting. That could be ending work five minutes earlier. That could be doing five fewer emails. However that commitment looks, the reality is if you make a 1% daily improvement, you will double your impact in 72 days. So think about that. If you made a five-minute step per day, whether that's looking for a new degree program, looking for a new job, planning a party, finding a new chair, planning a vacation, and you did it for five minutes a day, that's it. In 72 days, you would more than have doubled your progress. Mm -hmm. That's just a couple of months. Try the five-minute fix. So as opposed to the grand gesture, do the doable. Okay, we can all find five minutes, right? We can all find five minutes. We talk about time blocking here on It's About Time. Putting a five-minute block on your calendar that will get you 1% closer, one step closer to that end goal, we can do that. Karen, when you're making such incremental change, that 1% progress each day, how can you keep yourself motivated when you're not seeing major progress? Well, something like weight loss is usually a great example here, right? So if you ate five calories less every day, at the end of a week, you will not have lost a pound, statistically speaking. And this is what I think about. How do I feel differently when I commit to five minutes a day to something that matters to me Mm -hmm. versus that feeling that everything is out of my control. I mean, you just gave the example. There are people listening who open up their calendar and their to-do lists and have deemed for whatever reason that everything on it is essential. How will you feel about that five minutes? I will tell you this: you will come to cherish that five minutes in a way that you'll want to make it six and then seven Mm -hmm. Because that's going to be your time for you and for what matters. So sometimes it isn't about seeing the result. It's about 
how we feel along the way to getting a result. I mean, if I took that same five minutes and did a project I really hated, that five minutes wouldn't feel very good, would it? But no, I might get a result, not. right? <laughs> I could get a project done that I don't enjoy five minutes at a time. It's going to exhaust me. This will energize you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This will energize you. Uh, you know, I, I, I know that so many who listen to the show uh, are type A, Enneagram 3. Of course, we have all different types of personality types, but many who reach out let me know that they are they feel like they have to do it all and they want to do it all. They want to fill their fill their cups with so many different experiences and look back on stories and adventures and also have successful careers, but also take care of their families. And how can we get past that feeling that we have to do it all in order to be successful? Would you rather be a human being or a human doing? I love that. I think about this. When we buy into this belief that we have to do more to have more to be more, and that will sum up to success. Mm -hmm. The question that I would pose to you is, how do you feel when you are doing it all? Mm -hmm. And what in your mind is the worst outcome that is going to come from stopping something? Mm -hmm. You know, the adage is true. It's never worse than it is in our mind. So I gave you the example earlier about how much I love Sunday dinner with my grandfather. Now mm -hmm. I cook that dinner every Sunday from scratch. What would happen if one Sunday I said to myself, I'm too tired today. I have too many commitments. And I went to a local restaurant and I picked up food and took it there. Is it really about the food or is it about the investment of the time and being present in a conversation with him? Mm -hmm. I've decided it's about cooking that food from scratch. He's decided it's about the time. <laughs> Sometimes we confuse what we are doing with how we want to be feeling. <laughs> and that is very often an expectation we place on ourselves. So try it. Try dropping the ball on something once. I, I mean, I, I find that I, I don't know if this is true for your listeners, when I am in constant motion and doing everything and saying yes to everything and making it all happen for everyone else <laughs> that we do as women, right? right? We're the life makers and the work makers. We're, just, we're organizing, we're making things happen and getting stuff done. How do you feel when somebody says, oh, you know what I did yesterday? I, I read a book and I took a walk and I jumped in a mud puddle with my children. You kind of resent them a little bit, don't you? You know why? Because you're thinking to yourself, well, I don't have that kind of time. I wish I had this leisurely life you did. And the reality is, that choice is available to all of us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, What's mm -hmm. the worst that's going to happen? More often than not is it affects how we see ourselves, not how others see us. Mm -hmm. That choice is available to all of us. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've heard someone say in response to something I've shared or even just overhearing a conversation with friends, must be nice. Must be nice because they don't believe that, that those same choices are available to them. When in reality, we all have a choice, just like you said. Um, and sometimes we feel like we need to have permission, but that permission is already inside of us, like you said. Permission granted. Permission granted. So how can we, you know, I, I think that so many of us are used to, to needing permission from, from others in order to take action, in order to 
to do what we want to do, to do what we know that we should do to take care of ourselves, to create the lives that we want. And that need for permission, you know, that starts early in life, especially for women. We, we really, many of us are raised in a way that you said earlier, agreeable, easily, you said, I think three words and that, that resonated so much. What was that again? Easy, pleasing and agreeable. Easy, pleasing and agreeable. Many of us are raised to be easy, pleasing and agreeable. And then when we become adults, we continue to, to, to live that way, trying to be easy, pleasing, and agreeable, and it can hold us back. And so I think about that permission, I can almost picture it being deep inside of many of us, so far, so deep that we, don't, we can't quite, quite reach it. So what can we do to almost dredge up and dig deep and find that permission within us to do what we want to do? We all have an inner saboteur and we all have an inner sage, right? And that saboteur voice is the one from your childhood that helped you cope and survive and find love and affection that we all in big and small ways carry into our adult lives. And that saboteur served us at a certain point in life to try to keep us safe and find love and belonging and acceptance and food and shelter and all those other things. We also all have an inner sage and our inner sage is where curiosity and creativity and choice live. Now, if you are curious to know what your top saboteur is, I discovered a fantastic assessment that takes five minutes. So this could be your five minute fix as soon as you listen to this episode. And it works like this. It, it came from a book that's a New York Times bestseller called Positive Intelligence. And you can just go to their website and take the saboteur assessment. And what this author discovered is there are 10 saboteurs and we all have the judge. So we're all kind of judgy of ourselves. We're all kind of judgy of others. We all have the judge. And then this five minute assessment will let you know in stack rank order where you sit with the remaining nine from your top to your bottom. And these could include being hyper-rational, a pleaser to your point, a stickler, a victim. And then when you get this report back, it will tell you what your top one is, your characteristics, and how to go about activating your inner sage more often than your saboteur. And there is an app that goes with this called the Positive, positive Intelligence, and it has a PQ, standing for Positive Intelligence, gem with 10 seconds exercises. Did you hear me? 10 seconds. You don't even need five minutes now with 10 second exercises that are designed to literally refire the neuroses in your brain so that you train your brain over time to more often tap into your inner stage as opposed to your inner saboteur. I have found this work to be absolutely transformative because now you statistically have a name for that inside voice and those characteristics, and you have a tool 10 seconds at a time to retrain yourself, to tap into your inner sage and create choices for yourself and to tap into your own creativity much more often. Wow. Oh, thank you so much for sharing this. I will be sure to link this in the show notes so you can hop right over and 
take the assessment and find your saboteurs. I've actually taken this assessment and I just pulled up my results. So in the spirit of authenticity, which is one of my core values, I'll share that my saboteurs, my top three, I'll just share my top three because they are very top three, hyperachiever, hyper-rational, and controller. So now I'm very much looking forward to diving into the 10-second exercises because I'll be honest, I took the assessment, I saved my results, and then I just kind of walked away from it and didn't really do anything with it. And so now I feel very motivated to see uh, how I can take this. And if you take the assessment, come to the It's About Time community on Facebook. Let us know what you've learned about yourself from taking this assessment because uh, this seems very, very life-changing to have this awareness. Well, yes, and they encourage you, right, to give your saboteur a name. So it could be poly pleaser or, you know, heady hyper rational, whatever you want this to be so that you recognize and literally name it when it shows up. The app with these exercises, the author designed these exercises to be done in 10 second increments and for literal type A overscheduled people who will do something for 10 seconds. And if it only takes 10 seconds, don't have to be ultra driven <laughs> by the need to know how or why it works. <laughs> it was literally designed for the audience you've described. That is, this is fantastic. Uh, this is, this is a lot of fun. Okay. So excited to share this. Can't wait to hear the kind of impact that it makes on uh, everyone who takes it. Cannot wait to continue the conversation around that. Karen, you have shared so many amazing and actionable exercises and steps that we can take to get one step closer to our version of success. You mentioned the um, the experience that you had in your early 30s, pushing through illness and continuing to work. Looking back on that time, or maybe even earlier in your career, what advice would you give a younger version of yourself? Routines, rituals, and boundaries matter. When you are thoughtful about how you start your day and how you end, especially your workday, and by that I mean set a literal stop time where an alarm goes off on your phone and no matter what's happening, you stop. <laughs> you will you will refine the balance very quickly. What I would say is start with your values, truly assess what matters most to you, and then do a calendar and a to-do list check is how you're spending your time aligned with your top values. Because if those are out of alignment, you will feel it. You will give in mm -hmm. to the chaos. Also, I would say you are shockingly normal. <laughs> the the imposter syndrome, the overwork, the not feeling like you fit, the wanting to belong, not belonging, wanting to contribute, not contribute. It, it, it's normal. You're shockingly normal. And it actually works itself out okay as long as you're aligned with your values and you have good routines, rituals, and boundaries around starting work, stopping work, making a life for yourself, and giving yourself permission to take good care of you. Mm-hmm. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, I like to say that work-life balance is a feeling, not a formula. And I can tell that you agree with that as well. It's a feeling and it's listening to yourself and actually taking that time to assess how you're feeling about things because that's that's what really matters. Um, Karen, thank you so much 
for your time today. I've absolutely loved this conversation. How can we stay in touch? How can we uh, continue to learn from you? Subscribe to my YouTube channel with lots of resources. I also regularly share new content across LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, depending on your preference. And I look forward to connecting and hearing from you and discovering about how you're spending your time differently as a result of our conversation today. Yes. Yes. Well, thank you again so much for giving your time. I'll be sure to link all of those details in the show notes so that you can stay in touch with Karen. And thank you again. Um, This has been wonderful. I appreciate you so much. Thank you. Be well. And there you have it. I hope you enjoyed listening in on this conversation with Karen as much as I enjoyed being a part of it. I especially loved Karen's three questions. Does it have to be? Does it have to be me? And does it have to be me right now? I can definitely see myself using these three questions to set priorities and boundaries moving forward. I might even have them written on a sticky note on my desk. So you can definitely find links to anything mentioned in this episode, including Karen's books and the Positive Intelligence Saboteur Assessment by visiting the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 129. And before you go, let me tell you about next week's episode. Next week's episode, episode 130, is all about slowing it down. In a world where we're constantly being told to speed up and go, 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 why don't we go against the grain and see what happens when we just slow down? In fact, I'll be sharing three ways that you can slow down and adjust your productivity to allow for some recharge time. All right, thanks so much for listening and I look forward to talking with you soon. Thanks for listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Head over to www.abouttimepodcast.com to join the conversation. Check out the show notes and dive into bonus content so you can start living your best life today. Love this episode? Be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and leave a review. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode.